Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. Awesome. Man, oh man, what's good, y'all? You good? All right. Somebody just went out of Hey, if you're watching us online, what's up, what's up? Let's give it up for all the people watching us online. Celebrate them. Get yourself here in person, man. We'd love to see your pretty face. Um, a couple of things before we jump in. If you have a Bible and you want to get there, we're in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Last week we talked about the moment of resurrection, the moment Jesus resurrected from the grave. It's the most important moment in all of human history, and it started the greatest movement that the world has ever seen the movement of, of Jesus' followers, the moment that started the movement. Today, we, we starting to talk about the movement. What's the movement of Jesus all about? And um, we're gonna be in Acts for the next several, several, several weeks. So if you wanna get, if you, if you wanna get there and you have a Bible, Acts 1 is where we're gonna be. Um, before we jump in, a couple things, a couple housekeeping things I always wanna touch on. One is, for those of you that are giving financially, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I am praying and hoping that what you saw happen last weekend uh, encourages you to continue to give. Uh, what happened last weekend, record attendance, 22 baptisms, all this chaos, amazing things happening. Uh, it wouldn't happen without your generosity, all right? Don't let this pretty building fool you into thinking we just got resources galore, all right? This is a young church. We're trying to build a healthy financial foundation, and it, and it can't happen without you, without your generosity. So if you give, thank you. If you don't give and you want to start, uh, you can do it uh, real easily on our website, peakcityco.com, uh, or we got little fancy wall boxes in the back of the room for you. So I want to continue to put that in front of you. Also, culture class. All right, by show of hands, how many of you have attended culture class so far? Look at that. The number is growing. That's beautiful. Um, if you're new, culture class is the three-week experience uh, that we have that helps you get to know the church, ask questions, and then get connected to other people and get connected uh, here at Peak City in a meaningful way. And so we get another round of culture class starting next Sunday. Uh, so sign up today, peakcityco.com. It's the best next step you can take, all right? It's the best first and next step you can take. Uh, so let's pack out culture class next week. Even if you've been here for a long time, but you've never gone through culture class, it is a great way uh, to kind of remind yourself of why we do what we do but also meet a bunch of people that are making this place their home, all right? So sign up for Culture Class, and that concludes the announcements. Um, today, we are talking about the reality that you are the movement. Most movements in our world are driven by leaders. And when leaders fall and leaders fail, the movement ends. But the movement of Jesus is totally different. And I wanna show you today, like what we're gonna read today, what we're gonna see in Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two, it is so different, it is so weird. Like when, when, when I was preparing this message, I was laughing like, God, we got all these people that came to Easter Sunday, we got some of them that are gonna come back the next week. Let's give them a real like inspirational, palatable message for the masses. And uh, instead he told me to talk about something that's a little different. Um, and it's a lot about church leadership. All right, and, and I know that for some of you, um, you're here for a reason because the very reason that you have not given church a chance in your life and faith a chance in your life is because you've seen some really bad examples of churches and really bad examples of leaders and it's given you every reason to stay away. And uh, I think today, I think God wants to tear down some of those barriers in your heart and he's gonna do it through Acts chapter one, but I'm just gonna tell you it is a weird one. So buckle up for weird, stranger things. 
Stranger Things. Here we go. Acts chapter one, verse, starting in verse four, all right? It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he being Jesus, remember, this is like Jesus has just resurrected from the dead. That just happened, and he is not ascended back to heaven. He is hanging out with people as a man that was dead and now he's alive. <laughs> and, and it says that while he was eating with them, like I just envisioned everyone sitting around like eating their fish, and they're just like eyes, huge saucers, because here's Jesus, he was dead, now he's alive, and he's eating a Big Mac. What is happening? This is a very crazy moment. He's eating with them, and he gives them this command. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around, and they asked him a totally unrelated question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. <clears throat> Pause. Amazing moment. Um, Jesus says to them before he ascends back to heaven, he's like, here's the deal, here's what's gonna happen. In a few days, if you just go to Jerusalem and wait there, I'm gonna send you my spirit, my Holy Spirit, and it's gonna give you power, right? And this is not the first time Jesus had talked about this, this Holy Spirit that the disciples were kind of unaware of. He'd actually referenced it before in his, in his ministry. In, in, in John chapter 14, he says this to his disciples. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The advocate, the, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. This was a, Jesus talked about this often. His plan all along was for him to come as God in flesh and be with us in flesh to show us how to live, to show us how to love, to show us how to, how to walk through and navigate this life, then to die on the cross so that we could have a, a path towards being reunited with our creator. But then after that, he was gonna not be God in flesh anymore with us. He was gonna be God in spirit with us. He was gonna send his Holy Spirit, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, to be with us at all times. And that's a beautiful thing, but it's a weird thing. It's beautiful, but it's, but it's weird. Now notice, though, notice that the disciples, Jesus says, hey, just go to Jerusalem, just wait. I'm gonna send you my Holy Spirit, and it's gonna give you the power to take my message to the ends of the earth. It's all you'll ever need. And the disciples are like, yeah, 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 yeah. Power from God, that's great. But when are we gonna have political power again? Because remember, the disciples, that was really what was on the top of their brain. They, they really didn't care so much about godly things. They wanted political power back. They wanted to know when were they gonna be back in charge. They're like, yeah, 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 power of God. But what about my authority? <laughs> what about my power? See, they're, they're so easily distracted. I feel like this is such a parenting moment, you know? It's like, um, it's like how parents have felt you know, uh, like maybe last weekend on Easter or like at Christmas, holidays are very problematic for parents because you try to get your kids focused on the, the real meaning of something and, and they're distracted by lesser things. Like at Christmas time, you're like, gather around, children. Let's read the story of the birth of Jesus. God became flesh. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. God became a man. What about the toys, right? Easter's the same way. Last weekend, my kids got in the car after Easter Sunday and I'm like, guys, what did you learn today? What's Easter all about? And I know they're teaching about Jesus and Peak City Kids. My kids just aren't listening. 
I'm like, did they, like, do you know what, what Easter's all about? They're like, yeah, 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 resurrection, man came back to life, who cares? Dad, have you heard of peeps? I'm like, sweet mother of the Lord Almighty. I don't know what I'm gonna do with these kids. Stupid marshmallow distracting them from a man coming back to life. I just feel like Jesus was feeling the same thing right here. He's like, I'm about to send you the power of God for everyone, God in spirit with everyone, and you asking me about political authority. Now notice here, and it's so funny, man, I've read Acts chapter one hundreds of times, one of the most famous chapters in all the Bible, and I have never, I'm telling you, until this past week, I've never seen what God was showing me through Acts chapter one. Notice that you have a, you have a distinction here. The disciples are worried about power of the world, power the way the world sees it, and Jesus is trying to get them focused on power the way God sees it. The power of God versus the power of the world. Remember that, okay? Now, next verse, you would expect, right, after Jesus says, hey, go to, go to Jerusalem, wait for a few days, I'm gonna send you my spirit, you're gonna have all the power you need, it's gonna be great. You'd expect the next verse to be like, they went to Jerusalem and they waited and prayed. But instead, what we see them doing in the next verse is not waiting and praying. What we see them doing in the next verse is solving a PR nightmare. What we see them doing in the next verse is addressing the first major pastor failure, the first major church scandal. You thought pastor fails and church scandals were a 21st century only thing. They've been a black eye on the movement of Jesus since the beginning. Look with me, the next verse, it says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. That was the total number of Jesus followers at that time, 120. We had like 10 times that last week. 120 people changed the world. That's why I say like the potential of each church is so big, so big. A group numbering about 120 people. And, and, and Peter said this, he said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and he shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field and there he fell headlong, taking his own life. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. Everyone heard about this. Everyone heard about this. It was a it was church drama, TMZ stuff. Everyone heard about it. So they called that field in their language, Akeldama, that is field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted and let there be no one to dwell in it. It's a church scandal. It's a failed pastor. It's the first one in the movement of Jesus. I mean, come on. <clears throat> Judas, for those of you that aren't familiar with the story, Judas betrayed Jesus and, and led him into the hands of the soldiers to then be crucified in return for some money. Judas was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He'd been with him since the beginning. And here's this leader of the early church who has betrayed Jesus, led to his death, and not only that, then he went and he took his own life and committed suicide. He felt so guilty. He felt so full of shame for what he had done. It's church drama. It's scandalous. This is the movement of hope. I mean, come on, Jesus, Jesus said, hope for the hopeless. And here you have one of the leaders who, who says, there is no hope, I'm taking my own life. 
Jesus preached a message of love and forgiveness. You're never too far gone for God. And here you have one of the leaders of the movement who is closest to Jesus, who says, I'm unforgivable. I'm unlovable. And he takes his own life. And there's a word in there, right? There's a word in there for somebody here. Because Judas is, is, is easy for us to villainize, but let's not forget, Judas was not the only disciple that betrayed Jesus. Whole bunch of them did. Almost all of them except for the women. All walked away from Jesus. Peter walked away. Peter denied ever even knowing Jesus three separate times. But the only difference between Peter and Judas is that Peter allowed God to restore and rebuild him after his failure. Judas felt like he was too far gone. You see, there, somebody out there, I don't know who it is, but somebody right now or somebody online needs to hear that you are never too far gone for God. He can restore and rebuild anything in your life. It don't matter how bad you've screwed up. It don't matter how, how many people are against you, how bad you think other people look at you. Let me tell you, God loves you. He knows you. He sees you. He can rebuild your life, and suicide is not the answer. Somebody right now was thinking about it. Somebody last night, you were having those thoughts. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from the devil. God could have restored and rebuilt Judas just like he restored and rebuilt Peter. But it's drama. It's a scandal. Black eye on the movement. And um, Peter's got to fix it, right? Because Peter's the leader of the early church. And, you know, you got this scandal, this PR nightmare, and there used to be 12 disciples, and now there's only 11 and so he's about to fix that because, I mean, that just doesn't look right. right? You, got, you had 12 disciples, now there's only 11, and we know God can't change the world with 11. He needs 12. <laughs> and it was the disciple team. It was like the leadership team. There's someone missing, right? Oh, got to fix the PR nightmare. Got to clean it up so everyone, everyone thinks we're good, right? He's thinking about power the way the world sees it. He's thinking about movements the way the, way the world sees movements because most movements are driven by leaders, Right, so there's a leader missing. We gotta fix it. So look what he does in the next verse. Next verse, he says, may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness of, with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men. Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, bro, pick a name, That's a lot of names, man. <laughs> and Matthias. And they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you've chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, isn't this fascinating? There's a missing leader on the team, so what do they do? We gotta fix it, and they go about it. Serious church business. We gotta pray about this. We gotta appoint some guys. We gotta have some interviews. And then we're gonna throw some dice, cast lots, and it's gonna just randomly get decided. But we're gonna take it very seriously. <laughs> we're gonna approach it very seriously. And I can tell you, they cast lots, and I can tell you why God didn't let the dice fall with the, with, with, I can tell you why he let it with Matthias and not the other dude, because that dude's got three names. We can't have indecisiveness in the movement. <laughs> Pick a name. But like, I, I read this passage, and I was like, man, oh my gosh, like they are, Jesus just said, if you would go to Jerusalem and just wait, I'm about to give you power from God. And that power is gonna change the world. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But man, we got this missing disciple on the team and we gotta figure out, we gotta interview for the job. We gotta fix this, right? And he's like, man, you're just so caught up in the wrong thing. And man, when I was reading it, 
I couldn't help but, but feel like God was telling me, man, the more things change, the more they stay the same. In the age of failed pastors and church scandals, in an age of where, where people choose their church based on the preacher, in, in, in an age where we're so concerned with positional leadership and authority and worldly power structures, I feel like God was, was speaking straight to my heart this week and saying, man, you've got to, you gotta get real with these people. And so I wanna like, and, and, and there's so much about this message, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm saying some of this stuff on stage. But like, I, I feel like I gotta take a little sidestep in this message and like give you a message within a message and just real talk with you a second about church leadership. All right. Because I know some of you are skeptical of it. And I wanna real talk with you for a second. And I think it's gonna help some of you that are skeptical and I'm praying it helps those of you that are all in here at Peak City to know what we're trying to build here, okay? Um, and I wrote down three things in my journal to say to you about church leadership, okay? This makes no sense to say this the week after Easter, but I'm gonna go for it. I feel like God wants me to tell you that church leadership is a heavy burden that is hard to carry. When I read this past week about Judas killing himself. There was part of me, and again, I know this does not instill confidence in you, for me as your leader. I read that and I went, yeah, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Makes sense. Because the, the burden is just very heavy. Um, I've seen the burden of church leadership crush some really good men and women, crush them. I've seen it drive them to drink. I've seen it drive them to financial ruin. I've seen it drive them to mental health issues, physical health issues. I've seen it drive them to insecurity. I mean, it's just, it's a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden to know what's going on in so many people's lives. It's a heavy burden, like in a growing church, like I'd be crazy if I told you that the burden of leading this church was just easy and light. When I saw all those people, all y'all at Easter last week, and it was packed out record attendance. One of the thoughts in my head as I was looking at it all was, man, this is awesome. Also, there's a lot of people to, to disappoint now. <laughs> a lot of opinions now. A lot of people to disappoint. It's a heavy burden. And, and our church size is really tricky. Like real talk, like we're a church that's like not big enough to go like, oh my gosh, it's mega, I'm, I'm not known. And we're small enough to feel like intimate, but it's still big enough to where like, you know, a couple people can't really handle it all. <laughs> It's tricky, and, and the more we grow, the, the more exponential the problems get, and it's amazing. I, I love that we're growing, but it just gets harder and harder and harder, and the burden is heavier and heavier and heavier, and so I get it. I get it, and I'm gonna I'm say this too, and again, I don't even know, this ain't gonna instill any confidence in you at me, for me as your leader. I don't know if I'll be able to carry it. Nobody knows. Every leader that's ever signed up to lead a church, they think they can carry it. Nobody signs up for it going, oh, God, I'm definitely not gonna be able to carry this. I'm gonna get crushed, let's do it. <laughs> Everybody thinks they're Superman. I don't know, we'll see. I'm gonna do the best I can to surround myself with people that can support me and encourage me and speak truth into my life and hold me accountable. I'm gonna do my best to, to take care of myself and disappoint you guys when I've gotta take care of myself and disappoint others when I gotta take care of my family. I'm gonna do my best. I, my, one of my biggest prayers is that I could get to the end of this thing. Whenever I'm done, whenever I'm, I'm hanging it up, 
made it through first service without doing this. That I could say that I'm not leading this church anymore because of God's wisdom and not my stupidity. Come on, Petey, pull it together. I'll do the best I can, but I don't know. I don't know. Y'all don't know. Because being human's hard. Being a human is hard. As I say being a pastor, being a human's hard. I gotta make sure my head and my heart's right every single freaking week. <laughs> or else I get up here and I'm a hypocrite. Or else I get up here and I'm like, projecting confidence and yeah, God loves you. But inside I'm like, man, you ain't living this out. It's hard enough to be human. It's hard enough to come up with one message to preach in your life, much less one every week. I don't know. I'll do my best. But um, it's, a heavy, it's a heavy burden that's hard to carry. But the thing I want you to see from this passage, I feel like God was just bringing out and just popping off the page, is that when one leader falls down, another always rises up. Have you noticed that in Scripture that Judas falls and it's this big gaping hole and all of a sudden, they're like, who's gonna take his place? They got two guys to choose from. That's because that's how the movement of Jesus works. Jesus is always producing leaders. And I'm not just talking about the lead pastor position. I'm talking about every role in this church, from elder to kids ministry teacher to greeter. They're, Jesus is in the business of developing leaders. And some of you in this room right now, you are being developed into a leader. God is developing you in the quiet and the secret place where no one knows it. He's, he's, he's sharpening your character. He's giving you insight. He's building you up so that one day he can use you in a place of leadership. King David, come on, King David, the most famous Old Testament king. Before he was king, he was a shepherd for years, watching sheep alone in a field. And God was developing him and raising him up so that he could be a leader. I'm telling you, when one falls, another one is always there to rise up. And it's because, man, the movement of Jesus is just different. It's different. And so, man, like with, with those two things in mind, I think what I was trying to just like get, articulate to you today in the midst of scandals and PR nightmares and failed pastors and reasons, and man, I get it. I'm not excusing any of it. When a pastor fails, he should be held accountable. He should be removed from leadership. He should... Uh, uh, ask for forgiveness from the people he has wronged. He, he, he should be removed from leadership for a season at least, like all that. But I, what I want you to see is that a failed leader does not equal a failed movement. I think sometimes, I can't, some of y'all are gonna be mad that I'm saying this. Some of y'all leadership gurus in the room are gonna be mad that I'm saying this. I think sometimes we overestimate the importance of leadership in the church. Woo. I think sometimes, you know, I've heard some people say, everything rises and falls on leadership. Does it? Because if everything was rising and falling on leadership, the movement would have been done 2,000 years ago. Because before it could even get out the gate, a guy betrayed Jesus and hung himself. Everything rises and falls on leadership? I don't know, man. I think sometimes leaders are just people with a title. They just out there taking a walk and nobody's following them. You know how I know that? Matthias, all great Matthias, that we were so spiritual and trying to appoint him to leadership. He's never mentioned again in the whole Bible. <laughs> Leader! And he did nothing notable for the rest of his life that we know of. It's like, man, failed leaders don't equal failed movements. A leader can fall down, and guess what? The movement of Jesus keeps going because the movement of Jesus is not like other movements. The movements of this world are driven by leaders. The movement of Jesus is driven by people. 
It's about people. And you're about to see how Jesus does it right here. What he does in Acts chapter two, it is so different. It is so crazy, but it's the reason we have a movement right here, right now. All right, Acts chapter two, we start in verse one. It says this right here. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. How many of them were together? All of them, all 120. Was it just the pastors or was it all? It was all of them. All of them were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, like, like we heard this weekend in Colorado. <laughs> Y'all, that was crazy. If you're new to the state, I don't know what happened this weekend. It started snowing last night randomly. I'm not kidding. I was sitting outside, the snow came down. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be, this is so weird, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of them? All of them. Was it just the pastors? The teachers, does this say the teachers were filled with the Holy Spirit? The lead pastor was filled with the Holy Spirit? No, it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages as the Spirit enabled them, other, other languages that, that weren't native to them. It's so weird, it's so different. I couldn't make it up, no one could make it up. That's from God. Tongues of fire. Now why in the world would the Holy Spirit, this power from God, why would it look like tongues of fire above them? That's weird, that is out there, that is Stranger Things, the brand new season. Well, he's about to tell you in the next verse. This is why they were enabled to speak different languages and why it looked like tongues of fire. It says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it? That each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors of Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear all of them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Tongues of fire? <laughs> you want to talk about the easiest way to spread the movement of Jesus like wildfire? Gather a bunch of people from all kinds of nations together, and then through the power of his spirit, enable them to communicate the love of God in a language that they can understand. That's how you spread the movement. The power of God gives his people the ability to communicate the love of God in a language that people can understand. I'm gonna say it again for you. The power of God gives you the ability to communicate the love of God in a language that people can understand. And that spirit that was poured out on them, all 120 of them, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it is available to you, it is in you. If you've, if you've said yes to following Jesus, that spirit is in you. It's for all people. It's not just for the few leaders. It's for everyone. Look at how Peter says this. I promise you, this is the last verse I'm gonna read. It says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose, because it's only nine in the morning. <laughs> I love that he doesn't say, these people aren't drunk because we don't drink. He's like, here's the deal, it's only nine in the morning. 
it's five o'clock somewhere, but it ain't five o'clock here yet. Now, I can't guarantee what's happening after lunch. You might come find us after lunch. And I can't account, I, there's 120 of them. I can't account for them. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many people? All, all people. I'll pour my spirit on the pastors. I'll pour my spirit on the preachers. No, I'll pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The power of God is available to you to communicate the love of God in a language that people can understand. That is the movement. That is the movement. There are people in your life who need to hear the love of God, communicate to them in a language they can understand. And I ain't talking about English, Spanish, or French. I'm talking about the reality that there are people in your life, there are people in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, who speak the language of finance and business and entrepreneurship, and you have been given the power of God to communicate the love of God in a language that they can understand. You have people in your life who are, who are creatives. They are artists, right? If you know any creatives or artists, you know they are a weird lot but you've been given the power of God to communicate the love of God in a language that they can understand. You know, social media is a language. Brittany and I, one of, our, one of our good friends, she's the most shy person you will ever meet. It don't matter if you're one-on-one -on -one or in a group, she ain't talking. But man, she's chatty Cathy on social media. because She's found a new language. She can express herself. Let me tell you, when you post on social media, what you post on social media, you have the power of God to communicate the love of God in a language that people can understand. This is the movement. And I'm telling you, you can communicate the love of God to people that are nothing like you. I know it. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for it. I've, I've told you about my friend Ben who invited me to church over and over and over and over. He kept inviting me to church and I kept saying no. And then finally I said yes and that's how my life changed. Well, I kind of short circuit his story because Ben didn't just invite me to church. Ben walked with me and he, he, through the power of God in him, communicated the love of God to me in a language that I could understand. Ben was nothing like me. That dude was a dweeb. <laughs> that dude was honor roll, straight A student, could play the piano, he was a great A nerd. I wish I was like him. I was a punk nobody. The punk kid, punk party scene kid. Our, our backgrounds were nothing alike but yet the power of God in him enabled him to come alongside me and to start learning me and liking the things that I like and being interested in the things I was interested in. And then little by little, Ben started answering my questions, my skepticisms about faith. He started helping me work through my issues and my addictions. And, and the power of God through Ben enabled him to communicate the love of God to me in a language I could understand. And you wanna talk about a tongue of fire, a language that spreads the movement like wildfire? Ben, 17-year-old Ben, comes alongside me and speaks the love of God to me in a language I can understand, and that tongue of fire has now set a fire in me, and now here I am preaching to you about the love of God in a language that you can understand. That's the movement. That's why I say you are the movement. You are the movement. Ben wasn't my youth pastor. Ben was in no position of authority and leadership over me, but I wouldn't be if it wasn't for him. You are the movement.
You are the movement. See, the movement of Jesus was never meant to be about one preacher on one stage with one message one day of the week. It was meant to be about you communicating the love of God in a language that people can understand Monday through Sunday, 24-7, 365. That's the movement. And some of y'all need to hear that, that the movement... The movement is not, notice I didn't say you have the power of God to communicate the love of God so that we can grow a church. No, you have the power of God to communicate the love of God in a language people can understand. It's about communicating the love of God. If you're skeptical in this room right now about faith, about church, the whole deal, you need to understand. It is not about just gathering the masses together. I saw someone comment on one of our Facebook posts in Easter. It was like, oh, just another gathering of the sheep, gathering of the dumb sheep together. It's not about gathering just a bunch of people for the sake of numbers. That's crazy. It's about communicating the love of God. But guess what? If you communicate the love of God in a language that people understand, a big church normally is the result. You're gonna see that next week. Next week, next week we're gonna talk about should church be big or small? You're gonna come back for that one. It's about communicating the love of God. It's not about amassing people. It's about you understanding that God loves you. And so, man, I'd be crazy if I didn't say to you right now, that maybe God has given me the responsibility of communicating the love of God to you right now in a language that you can understand. And let me just, just help you see that, that God loves you so much. Oh my God, he loves you so much. John, John 3, 16, most famous verse, Jesus says, for God so loved the world, he didn't just sorta love you. He doesn't so like you. It says he so loves you that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God so loves you. Oh my gosh. And he knows everything about you. I'm telling you right now, someone in this room right now, someone watching online, you are sitting on a secret that you don't want anyone to know. And you're so terrified someone's gonna find out something you did in the past, something you're sitting on right now, something you're, you're doing right now. And you're sitting on the secret and you're so filled with guilt and shame and remorse and you're trying so hard to fix it. Let me tell you, God knows the secret and he so loves you. Some of you right now are sitting on an, on, on an addiction that you've been trying to kick by yourself. You've been trying to get rid of it by yourself and you can't. And you're terrified to tell anybody. You're terrified of admitting who you really are and what you're really doing. Let me tell you, however addicted you are, God knows, he sees it, and he loves you so much in spite of your addiction. All the versions of you, God loves them. The, the you that you project to the world, God loves you. The you that you are in secret when nobody knows, God loves it. The, the you that, that you are at your best, God loves you just as much at your best as he does at your worst. Some of you right now, you've just had the worst thing in the world happen to you. I know it. I mean, just this past weekend, I was talking to a friend who's walking with a couple through a crazy situation where one just confessed to a years-long affair. And let me tell you, God knows the one who was cheated on. God knows the one who cheated. God knows the one that they cheated with. And he loves them all so much. The offender and the offendee. God loves them so much, so much that he would stretch out his arms and die for them. That's how much God loves you. 
loves you so much. And if you would just say yes to him, man, the minute you say yes to his love and his forgiveness, you receive his spirit. And it's with you forever. And it gives you the power of God to communicate the love of God in a language that people can understand. And, and maybe some of you need to make that decision today to give your life to Jesus, to say yes to him for the first time. Maybe some of you need to make a decision to come back to God. You've been away for him, from him for years, and it's time for you to come back to him. Uh, either way, we, we, we wanna give you the chance to respond to the love of God in that way. So would you stand with me to your feet? We do this every single weekend for those of you that are new. We, um, we always provide a time for response. And um, it's because the love of God and that message should never be sent out and then not given a chance to uh, make a decision, to act on it. And so I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. This is to give privacy to everyone else in the room. This is a, a private moment between you and God. We're not gonna parade you in front of the church. That's not how this works. This is about you and God. Where real life change begins is always in a private moment between you and him. And so if you're here and maybe up to this point you would not have considered, considered yourself a, a follower of Jesus and you're not even entirely sure about all the answers yet, you don't have to be. You just have to be ready to say that Jesus is the one you've been searching for. And you're ready to say yes to his love and his forgiveness, yes to following him. You don't have to have your life cleaned up. You don't have to have the Bible memorized, that stuff. That, that's, that's not a prereq for any of this. It's just about you saying yes to Jesus, yes to the journey of following him. And if that's the decision you wanna make today, to become a follower of Jesus, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Awesome. That's amazing. If you're here and you know that, um, you know that you've walked away from God, you know that you've not been communicating the love of God in a language that people can understand, you've, you've walked away from the life God has for you, but you know you wanna come back to him, you wanna recommit your life to Jesus today. If that's the decision you wanna make, as a private moment between you and God, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three, one, two, three. That's incredible. That's incredible. Amazing. Put your hands down. Beautiful. Let's pray together as a church. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We thank you that we are not a movement that's dependent on one person other than you. You are the leader of this movement, Jesus. We thank you that the movement has survived for 2,000 years and is now advancing with more power than than it seems like ever before, God. You're doing amazing things, and we thank you that we get to be a part of it. God, I thank you for the people in the room who just made life-changing decisions to follow you. Uh, you showed up again today, God. You always do, so we're thankful for that. And God, I just express right now on behalf of our whole church our desperate need for you. We want to communicate your love to the world in a language that people can understand, and we know that we have your spirit to do so. So God, help us to not hold back. Help us to not hold back. Help us to say what needs to be said, to love the way that people need to be loved. God, we, we pray that you would send us out today, and even those of us who are brand new to faith, that you would use us to share the love of God in this world in a way that people can understand. God, we can't do that on our own. We need you for it, and we know we've got you for it. And so we ask this in complete faith, knowing you're gonna come through for us, and we celebrate you today, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray together by saying... Amen. Amen. Come on, let's sing about and celebrate the love of God together today. Let's go.
Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.